0: Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the No BS Marketing Podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the f*** up.
1: Little known secret. Demand gen, when executed properly, is really just brand marketing. Again, you're generating demand at that point, right? So you're you're trying to bring awareness. You're trying to educate a market. You're trying to um, say, "Hey, I'm here," while providing value, right? So really, when it's when it's executed properly, the tactics you will see will subscribe to that of brand as well.
0: Super excited for this podcast. I not only. One person, but I have two people on the podcast. So, welcome to the marketing team and the founder of Smarter, Gabby and Chan. Thank you for joining me.
2: Thank you so much for having us. We're so excited. We're thrilled to be here.
0: I want to start asking two different questions. One, how did the idea of Smarter come to evolution? And then also, how did you get into marketing, Chan?
2: The story of Smarter was honestly a story of fate. It was through a series of interviews with ecom founders, CMOs, COOs, et cetera, that we learned that subscriptions and the subscription enablement around the Shopify ecosystem and beyond was really underserved, both from a technical stability standpoint, but also from a functionality standpoint. And then that also led and bled into the businesses that we ultimately now serve, which was. A solution that uh, did not focus on retention did not focus on LTV and AOV improvements and you know going into those conversations having learned so much we were able to come together and form a thesis around how we could disrupt the e subscription world and that's what we've been doing for about a year and a half two years now and really it was it was product-led was our strategy so Uh, For over a year, we focused on R&D. We launched in the Shopify ecosystem publicly in May of 2022. And because of kind of that momentum that we had seen, you know, had the opportunity to bring on someone as wonderful as Shannon to lead our go-to-market strategy. And happy to hand it off to you, Shannon. Yeah, so I've been a marketing marketer through and
1: through. Uh, Went to school for marketing at Manhattan College. Definitely knew that this was uh, the place I wanted to be. To be in, um, very much thrive in the startup environment. I think I, some of the the core things that attracted me to Smarter were exactly what Gabby was saying, right? So when I look at the market landscape, it was pretty clear that there was a you know someone who was first to market, was great at acquiring market share, and you start to see innovation stall. It's not an, an unoriginal story, right? But then when I met Gabby, I met Smarter, I met the team, I saw the product. It was very clear that this company is very much well-positioned to be that that leading tool and in this next generation of subscription apps.
0: I wanna go into a topic that Smarter does very well, but I think our marketers don't think as an acquisition tool is retention. So how do you think about retention as a, a strategy for customer acquisition?
1: A lot of marketers in both B2B and D2C are just kind of watching uh, acquisition costs rise over the past you know, few years now to the point where it's really not going to be a sustainable model for a lot of us anymore. So where do you kind of look to, right? And I think the answer is to really lean in on your most loyal subscribers, right? Your most loyal customers. And I kind of jumped to the punchline there when I said subscribers, because I think when we, here at Smarter, we we really believe like your subscribers are going to be your most valuable customers. They're going to be your brand champions at the end of the day, right? So how can you equip them? How can you provide them with the best customer experience possible so that they do exactly that, champion your brand? So at Smarter, we've built a lot of different ways to make it very easy for Shopify D2C brands to really build a customer experience that is almost to the point of like a membership experience, right, to make them feel like a VIP and make them feel like that valuable customer that they are.
2: Taking a step back, honestly, the the market changes that have caused the rise in acquisition costs are kind of music to my ears because it's something that I've been preaching for literally now a year and a half, which is that we cannot ignore the subscriber. And I I know I sound ridiculous saying that, but Shopify is built with this kind of like point of sale focus, right? Everything is designed for the website, for checkout experience, but never optimized post-sale. And that's what I've been arguing is, is so pivotal for brands, particularly brands that are focused on D2C, where they don't have retail exposure, where I'm picking up you know, a can of my favorite sparkling water and Shannon gets to see that and also try that product, right? It's very individualized. So something that we've been preaching for now since inception is this idea that we can take a customer. Yes, we will turn them into a subscriber. And I'm happy to touch on how Smarter does that. But more importantly than that is that we make them a brand advocate. We make them someone that champions the brand, as Shannon said. And we not only improve the experience that they have, which obviously then has the opportunity to turn into a better LTV and better result for the business, but they're also now advocates of the brand. They're sharing the benefits, the product, all of those things with their friends and family. Um, And to touch on what Shannon alluded to, we recently came out with some functionality specifically around that engagement piece, which includes rewards in app, allowing you to reward your most loyal customers, your subscribers, through purchases, through discounts, birthday gifts, etc. We also just launched referrals. So the ability to say, you know, I'm going to refer Shannon to this product, we both get $10 off. And obviously, there's far more to come in the world of smarter as far as how we're incorporating that engagement piece. But that's a little teaser.
0: I have a double-sided question here. So how do, you, how do you think about doing this retention strategy as a B2B company, like taking what you know of a retention strategy as a B2B company? And also, are like you seeing like the similarities between B2B and B2C on how a B2B company runs? A SaaS, let's say a SaaS company runs versus like a, B, a B2C subscription company.
1: At the end of the day it all comes back to being customer obsessed and like truly customer obsessed not just to kind of say it as like a buzzword but really making sure you are laser focused on what your customers are looking for what their pain points are how you solve for them and really disregarding anything that might get in your way or might distract so that that includes things that are happening in terms of like a competitive landscape or things of that nature always prioritize the customer and we again, recommend all our clients look to their loyal subscriber base, make sure that they feel fully supported. And that's exactly what we're doing here at Smarter, right? I think one of the first first pieces of feedback you will hear from any of our clients is about our customer success team. They're absolutely incredible. And I think it's a huge differentiator for Smarter because, it, you know, I think it's a a, a first impression, right? And making sure your team is feels fully equipped, fully supported, and is kind of setting up the subscription program that makes the most sense for their customer experience but also their their product utility right so our customer support team will do just that making sure we the brand really feels heard and really feels like they're they're executing on the highest level and then also in terms of our product roadmap um, honestly the first place we look to is our current client base we look to them see okay what are some of the things they're worried about what are some of their pain points if we wanted to kind of come to market with a new feature such as bundles or loyalty, we're going to talk to our clients first on what they feel is missing from the current, you know, apps that they're using or, you know, custom setups that they have. So again, always leaning in and really truly being customer obsessed at the end of the day, I think is what is going to separate a very successful company, but also is the common thread between B2B and D2C.
0: So the customers that started doing subscription before, the rising costs started going up. So let's say, like pandemic, where everybody saw D to C was exploding because everybody was stuck. So how much more successful are they that they adopted this before the rising costs than ones that are just starting to do it later in the game? Even though it's a thing to do now, but like how, how have you seen that as like a strategy that these people adopted later?
2: It's not so much about when you adopted it, but in what quality you adopted subscription. So regardless of when, if a brand merely turns on subscribe and save as an option, but puts no additional thought into the program, the likelihood that it comprises a large chunk of their business is pretty slim. That being said, brands in some cases that launched subscriptions with us or with other providers and became incredibly successful at the peak of this e-com boom, as you mentioned during COVID, likely saw great success. The brands now that are launching that are doing so in a thoughtful way, and this is I think pretty relevant just given how how much the market has changed in the last couple of months, are seeing even better success. So for perspective, you know, July, August, and September, when we look at our cohorts and, and how our brands are doing, those were actually the highest growth months for our brands in the history of Smarter. And again, that doesn't necessarily have to do solely with the market. It, of course, has to do with the products that our brands are selling and the quality of experience that they're investing in. But I think there's this misnomer right now that that every d 2 c business is struggling, and we're seeing the opposite effect. We're seeing that our brands that are really investing in the experience for their consumer, they're literally growing faster than ever month over month.
0: It's crazy because I think the, the statement that... Like it's easier to retain, retain a customer than acquire a new customer. Has been around for a while, but then a lot of a lot of marketers, when they think of like demand generation, spending money, it's always like, how can I grow the the new subscriber base? Spend less attention to the existing customers that love them and actually bought from them. So, what do you recommend to those brands that like to start now to start focusing on? The the people that actually have bought and spend more of their like resources or some of the resources they have before on this customer base.
2: Honestly, I I don't blame brands completely for the lack of investment they have put into their subscriber base. I think a lot of it, and obviously we're slightly biased at Smarter, but a lot of it I genuinely believe comes from a lack of uh, tech that is functional and easily available to them. And that goes back to my point from earlier where Shopify historically has really focused on, when I say Shopify, obviously I mean Shopify and the apps in that ecosystem have historically focused on this pre-sale experience. So it's what brands were being told, it's what brands had access to, and oftentimes to have a really on-brand cohesive experience post-sale, it would take months of dev work and in some cases, hundreds of thousands of dollars, which just outpriced a lot of brands. So... By no means do I think it's it's totally on the brands. I think a lot of it had to do with the tech stack surrounding them. Now that that is not a barrier with apps such as Smarter, there are a couple of things. One is uh, definitely optimizing PDP and checkout. So we have some best practices around that um, depending on your subscriber base. The number one thing that I would say pre-sale is build a subscription around your brand. Do not let tech be the limitation. So just because you're offering a subscription does not mean it should be 10% off on a monthly basis with free shipping. Your brand is unique and you with tools like Smarter can customize that experience to the every last detail from pricing to scheduling to frequency to what is included in the product, what benefits you promote. So that's one on pre-sale. And then post-sale, I think the thing that is uh, well, a few things that have been missing historically, one is an on-brand experience. So what we heard from brands that have historically offered subscription is, guys, we hid our account page because it was so ugly, we didn't want it to be seen. We would rather have frustrated clients, you know, consumers reaching out to our CS teams than for them to see the account page. That is no longer. With Smarter, you can easily and really nimbly include a totally on-brand experience post-sale and ultimately what that means is that brands are now bridging the gap for their consumer and the subscription. We see on average a decrease of CS tickets by 70% when someone switches to smarter because consumers can now take that control in their hands. And then the last thing is really just agility, right? Like being able to uh, adapt new practices, whether it's that you want to start doing a free product at the end of every you know, six months of someone subscribing or a birthday gift or you wanna give them the ability to gift a subscription for the holidays, really just constantly evolving and thinking about how your next chapter in your subscription uh, you know, business goes.
1: And if I could add, I think it's really tempting when you're kind of looking at things from a post-sale versus uh pre-sale perspective and just kind of focusing on acquisition versus retention. I think it's tempting to kind of lean in on the thing you're gonna see that short-term ROI on, right? Which might be like a, an ad play or something to that extent but I want to reassure you that uh, the brands that are switching over to Smarter and executing in exactly what Gabby just described are
2: doubling their subscription revenue in as little as 60 days. And actually brands that are switching from an incumbent to Smarter are more than tripling in the first 90 days. It's really remarkable
1: to see. So I I implore brands to just kind of consider it less of like the the long-term play and more of just a sustainable best practice at this point in time.
0: What are the different types of subscriptions brands could like utilize? Because I feel like there's multiple, there's not just one to do great subscription. So what are some ways that you can, a brand can tackle that?
2: There's kind of two main avenues, right? There's a subscription versus a membership. So when we think of those two and how we split them up, To us, a membership could be a credit that you receive on a monthly basis, for example, that gives you access to discounted products on the store. So think of a t-shirt club that you pay $25 a month for, and for that you can purchase one t-shirt a month, and it provides a unique experience. Another example would be kind of like a Costco membership, right? You pay for access to a lucrative exclusive experience, and we're certainly able to carry those through and help brands with those. Those happen to be less frequent than the traditional subscription experience, so I'll touch on those a little bit more in depth. We see, of course, replenishable products like Food and Bev, for example, focused on the monthly or quarterly subscription with 10 to 15% off and free shipping. That is something that you can set up in Smarter in less than five minutes. The thing that we have evolved to and offer as an option for brands that are looking for more of a custom experience can include... but of course, they are not limited to aspects like prepaid subscriptions, right? So, being able to save a little bit more and prepay for a certain amount of time. Giftable subs, which are huge for the holiday season. We have a queue right now of brands waiting to, to onboard that feature, which is essentially where I can say, as a brand, I want to offer not an infinite length subscription because a gift giver is not going to pay forever for diapers or liquor, for example, as a holiday gift. But instead, we want to offer a three or six month option. You can go through that flow, purchase a gift, have it delivered via email or text at any point. So you could have it on Christmas Day, for example. And then the gift recipient has access to the portal, the same experience that we provide all subscriptions. But after that three or six month period, they have the option to upgrade and actually have their own subscription. Um, Another one that's really, really popular is what we... as uh, sequential, so essentially one item is different than items afterwards, right? So think of a starter pack, maybe it's a shaving kit to begin with, and then every month after that, you're just receiving the razors. And then the last one that I'll mention that has been so highly adopted, it was actually our most responded to email in the history of Smarter, was bundling. Build-A-Box has obviously a huge amount of benefits, such as being able to customize the experience you receive with the brand, being able to try more of the products, being able to have a true communication with that brand where you're easily able to try new products, change the products, et cetera. We see dramatic increases in AOV and retention improvements when folks offer Build-A-Box, but historically there have been no good options. We successfully launched Build-A-Box a couple of weeks ago and have seen brands just kill it, crush it. I think holiday season is a great time to take advantage of that as well and both for one-time and subscription purchases, it really just makes a much more cohesive experience for the consumer overall.
0: One thing that I that I'm also hearing about this is, and a great tip for marketers, I think, and I would love to get your opinion is like how brands think about their marketing strategy and their product strategy to make a subscription strategy. Because I think a lot of people, like I feel like a lot of products could be subscription, but they don't work with. The product team, so they don't make something that's refillable or something that, and that can increase AOV or like subscription over time. Like, for example, I bought like a Manscaped thing and then they eventually gave me like that ship. Like, they eventually did subscription where they have like refillable things. Like, but at first it was just like a one time purchase, but I feel like a lot of products could adopt that mentality of how could I figure out to make my product more subscription worthy and work with the marketing team to do.
2: I think 100% it's cross-functional communication is at the core of a successful business in general. But for sure, when thinking through subscriptions, it's a major factor. Manscaped, since that's the example you gave, I mean, they have a really interesting business model where not only are are they able to take advantage of a replenishable good, but there are so many add-ons that they could obviously then sell and tag onto their purchases. That is one of the most perfect combinations where you have both a replenishable core product and then a ton of new features rolling out that allow you to not just improve the LTV through that core replenishable product, but the AOV on a constant basis, not to mention how giftable it is, right? I'm sure you've thought or have actually gifted that product to other, other friends and et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, that's a great example. Yeah.
0: That's why I was just thinking like for a marketer to think of it as a work with the product team to think how can we do a campaign and how can we develop something together that could be subscription-based so we can raise out our AOV, we can raise quality of the customer, we can raise like a loyal, we can make this customer more loyal so they think about us all the time and gift us in the future. So I think it's just like something that even like one-time products would think about, like not a replenishable product like a razor or, your soda cans and your even though I would love a Diet Coke subscription Diet Coke
2: (laughs) that's what my argument always is is like wouldn't you want the heavy stuff that you don't want to schlep from the grocery store even something as simple as toilet paper or like paper towel that's just so big Mm -hmm. and then obviously the heavy things like beverages to me are the first things I would go to when it comes to subscription items so
0: yeah I I wish I could not think about like getting Diet Coke and just deliver once a week to me so
2: I believe that is an option. You might want to check out Amazon for
0: that. I mean, I, I, Amazon has it, but I want to go straight <laughs> to the source of Diet Coke. Like I don't want like Amazon, I feel like they price a little bit, and it's not exactly what I want. But
2: we'll be on the lookout.
0: What is a marketing heel you would die?
1: Okay. I guess it's gotta be a hot take then, right? <laughs> um, little known secret. Demand gen, when executed properly, is really just brand marketing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is a hot take. I love that. Um, yeah,
1: it's a hot take. Again, you're generating demand at that point, right? So you're, you're trying to bring awareness, you're trying to educate a market, you're trying to um, say, hey, I'm here while providing value, right? So really, when it's when it's executed properly the tactics you will see will subscribe to that
0: of brand as well. (laughs) Yeah, because, I mean, it it makes sense because most marketers are just doing demand capture, not demand.
1: Exactly. Yep.
0: They're just capturing existing demand in the market, which is technically not demand generation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just running paid advertising and direct response marketing. Truly. What is a, a trend you're seeing right now that marketers should jump on?
1: With holidays coming up, I could I could tell you a
2: couple of trends that we're seeing. Um, also, just such a fun time to be working for a D2C brand where you have so much opportunity to have fun with the marketing aspect and then also to be a marketer with the holiday season and all that comes with it. I feel like that's such a fun time of year. No? Yeah. No, it, I think it absolutely is. And, I and think by it, the way, it's, sorry to interrupt, mm-hmm. but it's something that our brands have been thinking about since like July. They've been asking us about Black Friday, Cyber Monday. So there, there's definitely a ton of conversations and thought going into it, but please go ahead. Oh, I know. Yeah. I've,
0: I've I've heard Ari talk about it for, um, <laughs> for about six months. Uh, I, I definitely now. And November is my worst month because that's been her most stressful time of the year.
2: What's so. your worst month? So <laughs> <Yeah. fun. laughs>
1: um, no, I think some. We're seeing some really cool trends. Like Gabby mentioned, giftable subscriptions as an entire program. That's something that is very much becoming a trend because I think it's um, low-hanging fruit for anyone who has a product that's worthy of not only subscription, but just being a gift in general, right? It's the gift that keeps on giving. And I think it's a great way to flip your funnel. I'm on a marketing content, uh, podcast, so I guess I can could, I could say that here, right? So it's a great flip your funnel tactic in terms of, again, I think Scott's Flowers says this beautifully, where you can gift three months of flowers. Gabby could receive A flower every month, right? And then on that third month, she would receive like an SMS text text message to opt-in to her own subscription, right? Awesome trend. Again, on the giftable, there's another way you can gift through Smarter that I think brands are really taking advantage of right now, and that is on your next order, right? So again, we kind of talk about engaging your customer. So or your subscriber, when you when they go into their customer account portal to change a subscription preference, give them a reason to engage. Give them something to kind of hold on to. So when I have too much, let's say coffee, right? I have too much product for that month. I'm gonna go in and skip my next order. Instead, give them the option to gift it to a friend, right? You're creating awareness through your most loyal customer base. So when you're, look, when you're looking for look-alike audiences, what better way than to kind of go this route, right? And then another thing um, we're seeing in like kind of the Black Friday, Cyber Monday trend is we have uh, an opportunity to offer exclusive products or one-time add-ons to your subscription order. And I think one, again, Gabby said this is a fun time to be a marketer. It's true. And some of the creative things we're seeing is like it's such a minor detail, but adding gift wrapping to your one-time add-on. Right, So A, it's a great bl- brand play if you put your your logo or something on some sort of bow or, or tote bag or something of that nature. But also it's hedging your <laughs> it's hedging your shipping costs. And it's just like a delightful experience for your end consumer. Um, so again, I think it's really being creative and flipping that marketing funnel um, upside down.
0: I love it because there's a B2B play of it, of gifting. Exactly. Advice. And then there's a B2C play of it, of gifting your significant other parent or a friend that you have. I also think that now, I just, like, I know I used to work for Snag Nation. So, like, Snagnation Nation, we used to do that all the time. I just know that, like, millennials, like, the discovery of new products and the discovery, and that's why we were so successful back in the day before COVID, like, started. Well, <laughs> but they, they kind of went down. You know, when COVID went, so they pivoted. But it just was the idea of, like, discoverability, like, millennials, like, trying things. So I think like, it's a great play for brands to think about that discoverability.
1: Yeah, and I think just during the holidays, like, people just kind of lean into their favorite products. I know from personal use, like... Last Christmas, I'm pretty sure the whole family got, like, the same sets of silk sheets because my sister-in-law loves these
2: sheets. So (laughs) I think it's just totally applicable during this time of year. I was literally going to say the same thing, where last year, I'm now very biased towards the Smarter brands. So if you're on Smarter, basically you're guaranteed a ton of traffic just for me alone (laughs) when I'm gifting for the holiday – But it's so true. I mean, if you really love a brand and the closer the connection you have with that brand, the better, right? Even even to the extent that something that's realistically not very scalable until you hear of companies like Chewy, the the pet company that has just incredible customer service, right? Like constantly I'm reading about how great their customer experience is, what they do for their customers, you know, even during sad times, someone receives a, a dog food package, but they're their poor pup has passed away, Chewy will ask them to donate the the food bag and then also send them flowers, right? Like they're really proof that you can scale a really successful business and have that great experience to the extent that Smarter can help uh, scale that across the experience, not just through CS, but also through the portal that we promote and the communication that we give our consumers. That is what's going to turn someone into a brand advocate. And guess what? During the holidays, they will be gifting your products to their friends and family. So one thing that we've seen also is brands are now asking us to tag specific products, sales, essentially when it's a gift, we tag it as a gift so that fulfillment knows to include a special note. It could be a note from the gift giver, right? Saying Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, et cetera. Or another thing that we've seen is literally just like small one pagers that are super, you know, low in cost that essentially educate the gift recipient about the brand. So it's introducing them to the brand and then promoting it somehow in terms of converting those those gift recipients into subscribers themselves um, long term. And that has seen a lot of traction. That was great. That was great for our brands last year. And certainly we're excited to see what it can do for them this year too.
0: One thing that you said that Work really well for Snack Nation. I don't know if Smart does this, but let me if I'm wrong. But like, instead of like actually gifting it to like a person, it's like considered like a donate. And like for B two B brands to like donate that box or that subscription to like charity or something like that. that worked really well for us. That like every box that someone bought, like something was donated to a charitable organization too. So that worked really well. For them. Play season and just like as uh, so a brand name
2: but Certainly the, you know, consumer enablement donation game is its own field, right? We see companies like Shopping Gifts and Gives and many others doing an incredible job in that area. The, the way that Smarter is, in, is kind of involved there is really around prepaid subs. So if someone has prepaid for the subscription and then the brand decides that it doesn't make sense for them to offer skipping, for example, that's where donations come into play for us. So all the time we see brands taking that approach and you're totally right. It's, it's a great brand play. And certainly to the extent that I've had conversations with founders of these donation based apps, they're seeing actually the conversion and the impact that having money go to a donation rather than serve it as a discount also plays a huge role in the positive affiliation that uh, consumers have with those brands.
0: If someone came up to you right now and you would to give you advice of getting into B two B to D two C, what's some sort of advice you'd give them that they'll come back to you two years later or a few years later? Thank you for
2: the number one piece of advice I would give is when you have a great idea, it's really easy to run at that idea and try to get to an MVP and go to market strategy as quickly as possible. What is often looked, often overlooked, excuse me, in that process is who you're surrounding yourself with, and ultimately, whether you are a sole founder, whether you have, a, you know, a group of co-founders, this venture is lonely. Whether you're B2B, D2C, it doesn't matter. Starting a business is a really hard project to take on, needless to say, and hopefully, is one that you'll be working on for multiple years. So. I would say once you have a great idea that is awesome that is unique and and maybe even once in a lifetime but the thing that you need to focus on is surrounding yourself with the best people around you that's often overlooked that's you know maybe overlooked by not hiring the right people that could be overlooked by taking on investors that have a different vision than you and I know it's tempting to take capital or new customers especially in your early days but really doing your due diligence with who is surrounding you is the best advice that I could give.
0: I think that's like one of the things that I think propelled me in my career one. I got lucky to have a good boss, like my first job and that saved me. I went through a point in my life where I, I was surrounded with people who were not motivated and I wasn't motivated. So and then I got back on it by people who were not. So t- it's actually your surroundings affect you so much. And also, what I always say is that you also get cities also messes you up sometimes too. So you should also look at that moving was one of the best decisions ever.
2: By the way, that's another great piece of advice is generally, whether it's around surroundings or around the team or the product that you're building, whatever it is, put yourself in uncomfortable situations. The best things that I have at least experienced during my journey at Smarter, but also in my career in general, were things that I dreaded doing, frankly. I'm, I love meeting people and I love talking to people, but getting ready for an event and getting myself there and talking to the first person when I get to that event gives me crazy anxiety. I'm so worried that entire day. And sometimes I have not attended events because of that, to be totally honest. I know that's not at all what I should be saying, but it's true. But guess what? Those events always end up being the most fruitful things. And that's where I meet the people that have the biggest impact on Smarter and on my life personally. So put yourself in uncomfortable positions, whatever that is. This is not an easy venture. This is not something that every day is perfect and better than the last. You will have challenges and knowing that you will fall and you will scrape your knees, but knowing that you can get up and ride that bike again is definitely something that you should be really confident in and tell yourself every day.
1: So on the... B2B front of things I always i like to kind of give the advice of question your own assumptions challenge them right so we talked about being customer obsessed before I think it's really easy for marketing specifically in B2B kind of environments um, especially as they scale upwards to kind of fall, follow into okay we know what's working let's just kind of repeat this in a scalable way but be sure to weave in customer interviews surveys Build a customer advisory board. Just make sure you have as many touch points with customers. um, So you're always kind of challenging whatever assumption you're making or whatever narrative or whatever you're trying to test. um, Make sure you're testing it in a very direct way with your customers
2: and client base. And you're never too early on or too late in the game to do that. Exactly. like Every stage, you know, free product, MVP, when you're going to market all the way to when you're a publicly traded company, like you should definitely focus on what your clients are saying because... That really is golden information, worth so much. Couldn't agree more. Um,
1: And then on the D2C side of things, I think uh, just know that this ecosystem is real. (laughs) This Shopify ecosystem in particular is so real. The peer-to-peer knowledge that is shared on a daily basis in the Shopify ecosystem is probably unlike any other... Uh, ecosystem I've ever been a part of. I've been in the B2B game for, I don't know, over 10 years now, and this has really been remarkable. I think from all the tech vendors to the the agencies to the actual brands themselves, everyone is truly rooting for each other in a really remarkable way. So I think be sure to lean in, lean in, ask questions, make allies. It's going to get you a lot further than you'd expect.
2: Go to the happy hours. Go, go to, to the happy hours. Go to the <laughs> events. Put yourself out there because people, people really do want to help. Yeah.
0: I see. I see it all the time because literally in Austin and New York, every time I'm like twenty D.C. events, and I'm kind of jealous. There's so many going on. Um, So, Uh, last question I have before getting into more where people could find both of you: Who are some brains that are inspiring you? And I'll make it more specific in the subscription place. Who are doing subscription really well that people can go and check out that? could maybe have an inspo for them when they want to start their subscription journey.
2: Mission-driven companies just truly do inspire us and I think also have a really interesting business model in that they can capture an audience because of the mission that they're driving towards. So when you think of Earthlink from an eco perspective or, you know, some of the pet brands that donate, similar to Chewy, but pet D2C brands like A few that we work with that actually offer like donations for every purchase to the local shelter right so that's that's one area um but more specifically i think some that are doing D2C really well way just launched and for those of you who may not know way is a primarily a hair care company they just launched build a box um they launched subscriptions a couple months ago had really good success Build a box has been awesome for them to basically fill that customer journey where people are not just buying the shampoo or the conditioner but buying the complete set that is custom to their hair and the needs that their that their hair has. So in examples like that where brands are not just offering subscription or similar offerings to increase AOV that's not their focus. What they're trying to do is really put together an experience that when you receive a product you have the best possible experience and then ultimately receive the best results. Now, obviously, sparkling water probably doesn't have that factor, but they can't really offer the best results because at the end of the day, you're, yes, you're drinking something healthy and pure, but um, there's not like a full process to it. But certainly companies like Way or like Jolie Showerheads that have that experience aspect certainly are, are doing a great job. And Honestly, that's one of the areas that really excites us is kind of that more experiential subscription model. And then the last one that I'll say is Happy Ring, which just recently launched. They're competing in the health ring space. And essentially, their model is co- completely subscription-based. It's a digital subscription where that ring transmits information to your app on your health. In general, anything that is you know good for us, good for the environment, always speaks my language so that's kind of the trend of what you'll see in this conversation as i as i list brands but those are just a few and i'll i'll stop there
0: i love learning about new d2c brands because the d2c brands tend to do the most fun marketing from my experience they have to they have to because they have to make someone buy a product which is one of the hard and then retain those customers so that's one of the hardest things to do
2: by the way the last one that comes to mind not a specific brand but well, there are specific brands on Smarter doing this, but like Starface, for example, right? Any brand that has a huge social presence to the extent that I'm on TikTok. Yes, I I might be aging myself. I think I'm too old for TikTok these days, but I'm on TikTok. I'm watching these videos. And then I see Starface popping up in the comments. Like, how cool is that, that you have this presence that exceeds just the offering that you have online or in any of you know the stores that you're in, but that you're communicating with the people that are targeted, I guess, for your audience, I think is is also a really cool, um, very obvious, but very cool channel too.
0: Yeah. Last thing I have is where could people find you to where people go smarter, just give you time to talk about those two things.
2: You can find us in the Flatiron in New York. We're here on 28th street. So if you're in New York, please come visit. Um, We have a great space. You guys can work out of too. But more generally, for the, those outside of the city, visit Smarter.com, Smart, S-M-A-R-T-R-R.com. And we're happy to hop on calls and even just evaluate how your subscription business or lack thereof might stand to improve a little bit. No pressure on the Smarter pitch, but really, we would just want to help help brands however we can and love talking to all of you guys, too. And. You can reach us on LinkedIn or email, Gabrielle at Smarter and Shannon at Smarter. We'd love to hear from you guys.
0: I know Ari's a big fan, so that's a big reason why I was excited to chat, because Ari talks you all up all the time.
2: That's very sweet. The feeling is very mutual. Ari, as I said before this recording started, but on record, you did a 10 out of 10 job picking her. She is A-plus material.
0: I did a 10 out of 10 you probably did a like, seven out of 10 job picking, but it's all good.
2: Well, we didn't want to add that part. But
0: did. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Thank you. Well, great talking. This has been great I think This is a great, um, discussion. How people can improve the subscription retention marketing and then some hot takes. I, I love like demand generation versus brand marketing, which is I love that line. So. Oh. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thanks it's such so a much.
0: pleasure. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, hope to see you in the city soon. Thanks so much for listening. Tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to the Marketing Millennials podcast and giving it a five-star rating. It helps bring more marketers into our community.